0: To uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a brilliant start to 2021 really taking advantage of all this collective energy and momentum that we all have to be better, make this year, make up for the last one, and really step into the fullness of who we are. And I am super, super, super excited for you guys to experience the magic of this week's guest, Miss Gina Warfel. So Gina is a registered dietitian and a master of human nutrition and somebody who helps others really use food as a vehicle to experience a more fulfilling life, to connect with their bodies, to fight cravings, get rid of anxiety, and really learn to trust yourself using the food that's in front of you. And especially with, you know, the new year, new me, I know a lot of us are really looking to take health into our own hands, especially after last year and all of the sort of fears that COVID had brought up to the surface around our health. And so I really wanted to bring Gina here to talk about dieting, talk about, how we can use food as a vehicle to increase our own health, how to change our relationship with food, and how to actually stick to diets and actually get rid of those cravings that stop us from really making any progress in a real way. You know, I I am a traditionally pretty healthy eater, but in this episode, I learned so much from Gina around the psychology of emotional eating, like what is your body really trying to communicate with you when you experience a craving and how you can use all of the cravings and learn to be more mindful on a daily basis so that the diets you do choose to use to create a life you want to live or the healthy habits that you do try to still actually stick. And I've realized this over time, it's one thing to to know how to do something. And then it's a whole nother reason to really lean into the why you haven't been able to do it already. And in this episode, Gina brilliantly explains just how our own mindsets and our own relationships with food really change, really impact the actual results that we see from a from a physical standpoint. And so if you're looking to be healthier, if you're trying to take your health into your own hands, I cannot think of a better episode to really supplement that journey because Gina doesn't just teach meal plans. She doesn't teach dieting. In fact, she teaches a holistic way of looking at food so that you can really change your eating habits without even using a diet, so that you can build healthier eating habits without following a plan, so that you can fight cravings and emotional eating when you're in a stress state. And more importantly, how you can use the food you're eating to fall in love with yourself and how you can learn to fall in love with yourself using anything in your life. So I am a huge fan of Gina. Um, she is, she's is. she got this wonderfully nurturing way of, of of showing you how much control you actually have. Because I think that's one of the things that most of us really struggle with. It's we go to these coaches, we go to these these plans, we try to go to these books, we go outside of us to find the confidence to really make the change we want in our lives. But Gina brilliantly shows us how we can actually tap into our own bodies, how we can actually tap into our own wisdom, and how we can actually use ourselves as the anchors to create the change that we want to create. And the second you can turn yourself into that beacon of hope is the second that you can actually make progress in your life. So I'm super excited for you guys to get to know Gina. She has a wonderful program called Mastering Mindfulness. For anybody who is trying to get healthier, And we talk about all of that on the show here. And we've created all the links to follow Gina and reach out to her and be a part of her journey and really have her be a part of yours in the show notes. So check out all of that. I'm just, I'm excited for 2021. I really, really, really am. 2020 was an incredible year with a lot of growth, a lot of unearthing, if you would, of who we are at our core. And so I hope you guys are really taking advantage of this momentum, really stepping into this energy of of creation and and progress and and hitting the ground running. So enjoy this episode, and I can't wait for you guys to experience the magic of this wonderful human being, Miss Gina Warfel. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded, and a happy new year. I hope you guys are having a phenomenal start to the year. I'm really excited to be sitting across from this lovely human being. Hi, Gina. Hi. Well, we've been trying to make this podcast episode happen for a while now, and it serendipitously just fell now to be the first episode of 2021, which is super exciting because everybody is coming off of the holidays. Everybody is inspired to start looking at their lives making new resolutions, and really actually health in general, which has been a huge topic of conversation in 2020, is likely at the forefront of everyone's mind. So I'm really... Divine
1: timing to jump into this.
0: I'm really excited to have you here and I'm super grateful. So thank you for being here.
1: Me too. I love, we always jam out on this kind of stuff anyway, health and all the nitty gritty stuff with that. So this is perfect timing.
0: Beautiful. Well, let's dive in. So one of the things that I'm super intrigued by, and I find very interesting that you focus your entire message on is the idea of mindful eating. So what is that? A lot of people may know what mindfulness is and a lot of people definitely know what eating is, but like when you combine them both, what is it and what is that philosophy and and how does that philosophy drive a lot of the teachings that you really sort of bring to your clients, people, and anybody that trusts you with their food?
1: Yeah, it's kind of, it's actually kind of interesting that you asked that question because I never really thought about the words like mindful, because when, when you first asked me that, the first thing that came to my mind was actually connecting with your body and not with your mind. (laughs) So Mm. it's actually kind of interesting that mindful is in that for me, you know, there's different definitions and descriptions of mindful eating, but for me, it's become a process of connecting to my body more and letting my body be the guide of how I should be eating eating. And so it's great to have nutrition knowledge or know how we should be eating healthy, but that that's all like up in our brains, right? And we start to lose that connection between what is my body actually telling me? What are the signals that it's telling me how to eat, how much to eat? A lot of time people get dependent on like, what what does a serving size look like? Yeah, Right? Like, what does a half a cup look like? Should I be eating a half of a cup? How many calories should I be eating? And we get so far disconnected from our bodies that we start relying on numbers and calculations and measurements. And so mindful eating to me is like this really beautiful way of reconnecting back with your body and listening to like, what is it telling me? And reconnecting with your food and noticing like, what does my food taste like? And actually being an active like participant in the experience where, you know, like today, we're so go, 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 go. You might be multitasking and on the computer and doing work and eating and watching TV and doing all these other things. And before we know it, we don't even know if we're full or not. Right. It's like, am I full? I don't even know. Did I like this? How did my body feel when I ate this food? So mindful eating is like putting your body first and connecting with it and listening to it. And then you'll actually have so many more experiences around that food, to me, it's become like this really beautiful ritual. Mm. I went from like checked out to multitasking and eating fast and not even being present for that experience to actually making eating like a really beautiful ritual or experience where you're like tasting the food. You're really engaged in the experience. You're noticing how your body is actually responding to that food and you become really sensitive to it. It becomes like this really beautiful experience versus just this thing that we do.
0: I love that. I love ritualizing food. I think that's a really beautiful idea. What about somebody who doesn't really have that connection to their bodies or their connection to their senses or people who don't really feel like like if I've never done this before and Mm -hmm. then I got into it and I'm like trying to have like a ritualistic experience with my food, but I haven't actually, like, I don't know. What does that mean? I Mm -hmm. guess in like a, in a physical sense, what does it mean to connect with your body through your food? Mm. And how can you, how do you teach that to somebody who may not have ever really been introduced to that concept?
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good question because when I talk about it, like, I love talking about connecting with your food and your body and mindful eating. But for me, I, it's been years of a work in progress. I was definitely the person completely disconnected from my body and was, did not have a really connected relationship to food because um, I've been a dietitian for so many years now. I was always brain, like I eat for whatever reasons, whether it's healthy or whatever I should do and really became disconnected with my body. And I think also a lot of people get that way through a process of maybe you have painful emotions in life and you're like, ooh, that hurts my body. I'm going to disconnect. And then that also creates a disconnect with food. So sometimes it actually takes a really gentle process of that reconnection. So for me, like I wasn't even really aware of it. And I remember being such a fast eater and eating so fast. And then just never feeling satisfied or never really having that connection and tasting and appreciating food and really like feeling into what was happening in my body. And then one day, one of my friends was like, did you realize you're a really fast eater? And I was just like, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Like I didn't really think about it. And then I started noticing how disconnected I was years later down the road when I started having a lot of anxiety and stress and like emotions that I didn't even want to connect with, I completely disconnected from my body and what my body was telling me because emotions also came with that. So until I was really ready, I didn't really proactively want that close relationship with my body and food until my anxiety got so bad that I was like, I have to do something about this. I have to learn more about my body. I was actually, at the time, I had a mentor who was amazing. And I sought him out because he's he's incredible. He's a psychologist and was a Buddhist monk. So he kind of brings together psychology and yeah. spirituality. Really cool guy. And I was just was having all this like unbearable anxiety. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. And he was the one that really pointed it out. That He was like, you've completely cut off the relationship from your mind, from your mind to your body. Like you decided at some point my anxiety or my feelings, my emotions are too much. I don't want to experience it anymore. And there was a point where it was like a conscious decision of like disconnecting. And so he was really like a guide for me to gently just start by checking in with my body. And so throughout the day, I would actually like put my hand to my heart, and actually put my like hand to my chest, like skin to skin contact and think of myself as like a little kid. Cause you think of it, like little kids are so connected to their bodies. Yeah, You're know, like a little kid when you're like, eat your food and they're like, no, I'm full. Or <laughs> and, I don't like
0: Brussels sprouts.
1: Yeah. Or, or it's like the most amazing food in the world, like pizza or dessert. And they're like, no, I'm good. Like they're really good at being like, I'm fine. I'm content. Like no matter how good the food is, whereas adults were like, oh my gosh, dessert, it's the last time I'll ever get to eat it because I'm dieting on Monday. So we like get weird with food and yeah. disconnect from our bodies. And kids have this really amazing intuition. But as adults, we're like, don't stop eating until you've finished your plate.
0: I think you just said the magic word intuition, which is that connection to body which is that connection to like your feelings. Like, what do I feel like doing right now? Or actually, I'm really curious to hear your take on emotional eating because I even think about me like there are certain foods in my life that hold a very special place in my heart Mm -hmm. when I'm upset or when I'm feeling down. And a lot of times, like, I will actually connect with that food when I need comfort. Literally, 2020 was a roller coaster, and there were days where I would have to go to the ice cream or I'd have to go to something, and I'd be like, really present with that food. Like I would actually want to be in my body when I'm experiencing that. So like, can you talk a lot about like, just the, I guess the psychology of food and why do we attach, like, why are we okay with feeling certain foods? I guess like junk foods or mm-hmm. comfort foods, like, I guess the psychology of comfort foods. I'd love to, if you, you probably have a whole book on this, but I would love to just hear your <laughs> I do, thoughts. actually. <laughs> Let's just go straight to the book, guys. Don't even listen to anything. Anything Gina says, don't even worry about it. Just go straight to the book.
1: Yeah, actually, it is really interesting because we do develop like this attachment to certain foods. Maybe when you're feeling down or, or you just connect with like a memory or something, where like some of my clients, it's really interesting. What they'll find is, you know, I ask them, what are you learning about yourself with food? And at some point along the way, they might say, oh, you know what? I realized when I'm having a bad day, I just cannot help it. But I go to this food and my dad used to make this food all mm. the time and it makes me feel so good. And I realize, like, and you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this is a tradition and it feels good and that's okay. But sometimes it can really turn to like an unhealthy relationship with it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I really can't stop eating this food when I'm having a bad day. And then it becomes a bad thing. And so then they work on the relationship of like, she learns how to honor her dad and connect with him and create that feeling and not needing the food to get that feeling and that honoring her dad. So sometimes whether it's just a connection to a memory, um, like what my mom would always say, uh, my, my grandpa's Italian. He passed away probably 12 years ago and straight out of Italy, homemade pasta. And I will never forget my mom saying like, oh yeah, whenever I miss my dad, I just really want pasta. Like it just makes me crave pasta, you know? So we do have those traditions, those memories. And when we're having a hard day, sometimes that's what brings us that feeling of safety and comfort. So a lot of time, any kind of um, emotional eating tends to be connected with just an, an innate drive to feel good, to create pleasure.
0: It's and it's instantaneous. It's not like something that you have to go through the honoring your dad or like the process yeah. of feeling or all that yeah. shit. Like you're like, it's like oh I'm just gonna go get yep. that little dish over yep. there and just shove my face mm-hmm. with it. I'm gonna feel a lot better, which it's it's putting a band-aid on a broken arm.
1: Totally. Yeah. And so what's interesting is when you're trying to approach that, people do it completely wrong. And so a lot of people are like, almost everybody will say, I just need more willpower. Mm. I just need more discipline. I need more willpower. So they motivate themselves. They get all amped up. They swear that they're never going to do it again. But then what happens an emotion comes up or a memory comes up or a hard day comes up or even they're just sleepy or they're bored. Any of those are like stresses. What's interesting is when you, your brain gets that information that there's a stress, it actually changes your body's physiology. So a different area of your brain starts working that will drive you, your instincts to go get food, to go get sweet food for like survival. So instead of willpowering your way through it and being like, I'm not going to do it. And you're in this like animalistic like state of where you need to feel good. You actually, instead of willpowering your way through, you actually want to focus on just getting your body out of that stress state. And that's where we see things like emotional eating or boredom eating or eating when you're tired or anything that's like a pain or a stress. It dissolves away when you get your body out of that stress state. Versus trying to go head to head and fight it because the craving eventually will win.
0: So how do you teach people to fight that stress state when, like I said, there's an instantaneous fix? Mm-hmm. Like if there wasn't an instantaneous fix, I could totally see this like, all right, I'm not going to mm-hmm. eat that because I, I I can't. Yeah. So I'm going to go sit with it. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal. I might go to the gym. I might go sit in nature. Like there's all those tips, but like right. when you're hungry, you're hungry. Tips. yeah. Or like when you've got something, you're something. But like, so like how do you... How do you teach people to instantaneously catch themselves and then Mm. replace that? Like, what does that look like?
1: I actually take them through a training process. It's almost like you're learning a new skill. Well, I I like to think of it as like learning a new instrument. So at first, if if you've never been a mindful eater, a lot of people have not been raised as mindful eaters, especially with society, just distractions, our brains pulling us everywhere, emotions. We have a lot against us, right? Everything trying to pull... And distract us into eating. So it's actually like training. So I think of it as like learning to play a new instrument. So you're gonna start off playing the instrument and you're gonna suck. And that's okay. I actually really encourage people to not be very good at it.
0: Guys, just suck at eating, all right? I do. Just do it.
1: <laughs> I do. You're gonna suck. It's gonna. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be, it, it's gonna be fine, you guys. And it, it's funny. It's not funny. It's, <laughs> it's super funny. It's a little bit funny. It's funny for me because I I tell them just trust the process, mm. and I watch everyone go through this process where at first. They are not doing good at it. And they're so hard on themselves. And I'm like, just don't be so hard on yourself yet. You're just learning. So it's just like they're learning to play an instrument or they're learning how to walk. They're really bad at it. They're wobbly. But here's the key. When you're bad at it, instead of beating yourself up and checking out from it, you see yourself as your own research project. And you're like, okay. So we all do our thing, right? We all screw up. We all eat when we didn't mean to or feel bad. But you'll have so much growth and change and adapt if you're just like, okay, I'm my own research project. How do I figure me out? What was my thing? And so what you're not aware of, you can't control, right? Mm, Yeah. So it all comes down to awareness and being present. So in the past, maybe they were on this like autopilot where they're like, emotion, trigger, and they grab something and they just autopilot, do it. So now we're actually slowing down. One of the best techniques that I show them to to begin with is to start by using your breath. Like if you just take a deep breath, like you just immediately feel your awareness go down into your body, like from your mind to your body. It's like you're opening up this highway connection of better communication. When you get a craving, you're in your head You're thinking, you're probably thinking about the food, you're checked out, you're disconnected from your body. So we start using tools to train ourselves to wake up that communication and start getting curious. What is my body telling me? What emotion am I experiencing right now? And a lot of time, your body will actually start communicating to you. Might tell you that it's tired. You can come and ask it questions and, hey, what's going on? And your body might tell you, Oh, God, it's been a hard week. That's what's really going on. And then we start practicing different skills of like, what would actually feel like love and nurturing when you're having a really hard time versus going down this path of self destruction that makes it worse and worse and worse and ends up feeling awful. So right. we can get curious.
0: One of my favorite questions is if I love myself, what would I do? I got that from a book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. And like, I remember when I first heard that question, it just reminds me of everything you're saying. Like, Because sometimes if I love myself, it would mean go eat the salad. Totally. Right? It, or it the could, dessert. Or it could mean if I love myself, yeah, I'm going to go have that. that yeah. That really messy, that delicious thing that's probably not the best for my body, but it's great for my soul. Yeah. And if it's good for my soul, it technically is good for my body because my soul lives in my body. It's kind of like this, like yeah. you get to choose.
1: That's the word. The word is absolutely you get to choose. So some people think like, okay, so is what I'm doing creating more inner control so that I end up being perfect all the time? And that's not what it is. But what we're doing is giving you back control so you're always in choice. So you're the one that's like, if I want to eat this dessert, I'm going to be engaged in the experience. I'm going to think about how it feels in my body. I'm going to make the conscious decision versus like there is something else, an emotion or a craving that's driving this impulse. And then you lose trust with yourself. So it's not about being perfect because you're aware and you have this great discipline and control. It's actually just you having this solid connection with your body so that you can get nutrition resources. You could be like, oh, is that style of eating good for me? Is that food good for me? And you can take that into consideration. But your relationship with your body is number one. And you always have your back.
0: How do you know you can trust yourself? Like, how do you know? And I think about like like my mom. Great example. Mom, if you're <laughs> listening to this, I love you. Um, but like. Her great thing. Yeah. <laughs> like she's always looking at the next fad. She's like on the internet all the time. Hey, I heard that this thing was really good for you. Did you hear about this, Raj? I heard about this. I read about this. And she's gotten to this like place where I just think that she doesn't trust that what she's doing, like even though she's following something and it makes her feel good, like she doesn't trust that it's enough. So like, how do you rewire that, that game of trust that maybe what you're doing is enough? It just takes time So, like, what is the reality of learning to trust yourself with food?
1: Yeah, I think that sometimes, like, you might say, like, diet or style of eating. Like, first, I want to distinguish the difference between those two. So, a diet would be, like, you have these rules, and you're trying so hard to follow them, and it feels like restriction. If you ever... I mean, you have probably never been on a diet, but you're so fit. But if anyone has ever been on a diet and you feel like you're on this roller coaster where you're hanging on and you're trying to stick with it, like that is like a diet. Like you are following this sheet of paper with how you should eat, but it doesn't feel like a way of living to you. Where styles styles of eating, it could be that same, it could be that same information, But it's actually something that you are adaptable, like you are seeing how it works with your body, you're liking the foods that you're eating, it's more fun and inspired. So what I like to have people do, because I totally get it, you might want some diets or some resources to help you. So first, work on the relationship with your body. Get to know it. Get curious. So I used to be into all the fad diets, all the things when I was into nutrition. And I I just wanted to be healthy. Like, I didn't know any different. So I would just try all the different things. But I felt that intense roller coaster of like, you can do it. You can do it. Like, every day was like putting on my war paint just to eat. You know, it was like, oh, it's crazy. Just so much energy put towards like thinking about food and trying to stick
0: to something. That can't be good for you.
1: Oh my gosh, my stress was was so high. I was going
0: to say, like your stress is like, yeah.
1: So, oh yeah, absolutely. Then I transitioned to, I took all of the rules off the table, everything, which was horribly terrifying because I've lived my life by different rules. So it was horribly terrifying to go from all these rules to none, you get this fear of like, what if I get super unhealthy? If you give me the choice, what if I just eat pizza all the time or something? Like really, really scary to not count anything or have a plan. So I would say it was really terrifying for a while, but I just really felt like I needed to keep this openness and curiosity of like, what is my body trying to communicate? So I, th- I made it like a practice. If you're not used to mindful eating, It's not just going to naturally come to you. So I really made the conscious decision, this is a skill I'm going to practice. And getting to know my body, I have to work on it every single day first And then when I want to try a different style of eating, I'll be really good at knowing, like, how does my body respond? Does this style of eating make me feel great and give me energy? Does it give me more cravings? Because some people do a diet and they don't have that connection to their body and they sabotage it and then they lose trust and disappointment and they don't know why. And then they get into this loop of frustration and disappointment where if you know your body and you know when emotions maybe trigger you to sabotage and go for sugar or craving or carbs or whatever it is or you just know that you know changing up your macros will really trigger cravings or maybe it will maybe it won't when you know your body so well then you are coming from like this really controlled place with your style of eating and you can listen to how your body's adapting to it instead of having all these rules and being like, ah, oh my God, what's happening? And you sabotage it and then you lose trust and it's frustrating.
0: It's almost like an attachment to the outcome when it comes to when you follow a diet, right? You're like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Right. Why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Because I think I'm going to look good naked. Why do you want to look good naked? Because I think I don't look good naked. There's (laughs) like this whole, I won't be loved. if I There's like all these stories that are attached to the outcomes. What you're suggesting is more of a holistic way of living, which is more sustainable. Totally. And it's not. Okay, let me ask you this. What is the mindful way to follow a diet that is driven to like wanting to achieve a certain end outcome? Like, let's say somebody does want to lose weight, right? Yeah. What's a mindful way to do that? What's a, cause I think that's, those are noble and amazing goals. People mm-hmm. who want to make better of their lives, they want to look better for themselves. Those are awesome goals. So, like, how do you actually introduce mindful eating into actual, let's say, quote unquote, dieting, or let's say like, let's say somebody wants to get bigger, or Mm -hmm. let's say somebody, let's say somebody wants to get rid of like a, a health condition or an issue and that forces them to be more like follow a specific diet. Like, how do you combine both worlds so that you have... The best.
1: Yeah. I think it is a combination of being connected to your body and having knowledge. So, okay. without a doubt, there are certain nutrition strategies for helping you lose weight, for helping with cardiovascular disease, to help with thyroid issues, hormone issues, gut issues. So, that's where, like, my nutrition brain, I love the science. Yeah. I'm fascinated with food and all these things, but it's a really, it's like a beautiful dance together of knowing information and seeing how your body responds. Because at the end of the day, you have your own genetics. You have your own microbiome in your gut that changes depending on food. You have, like, you are such a unique individual. This journey is about getting to know you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper.
0: So what does that look like? So like, okay, let's just say I found this diet online. Yeah. Right? This diet says that if I want to lose X amount of weight, follow this diet. Mm-hmm. So I start following this diet. It tells me the recipes. It tells me the meal plan. It tells me everything, right? So from there, how does mindful eating mm-hmm. come in? And how do I make this diet more personalized to me? Mm-hmm. Is it as easy as me paying attention to my food? Do I Should I get tests? And like, you know, there's, there's so many ways to actually like combine it all now. So I don't know if you have any like just thoughts on how yeah. to like, what does that step actually look like?
1: If you haven't had a good connection with your body and your food and how mindful you are with your eating, I think that the easier way to go about it is to start without the diet plan and first just let yourself eat and ask yourself, how do I want to feel before making an eating choice? And that is a great way to drive behavior change because some people will get a diet plan and they know what they should eat and then they're fighting this craving and and they're fighting all these different things and they're trying to willpower their way through it. So the way I approach things is naturally my clients change their eating habits without me ever giving them a meal plan. I don't give them meal plans. I don't give them recipes. If they want to look up recipes or, or like get recipes for resources, sure, I'm all about it. But I always focus on how do we change from the inside to change the outside. So what I have them do is ask, like, before they eat, I'll ask them, like, how do you want to feel? So I'll give you an example. My dad is actually in my Mastering Mindfulness program. Mm. So he had always said two things I'll never give up in life, wine and coffee. And he said, I wanna learn from you. I wanna learn how to eat healthy, but don't ever tell me to not drink wine and not drink coffee. Those are just my pleasures in life. And I was like, great. I have no issue with that. Totally fine. I'll never tell you to stop drinking wine and coffee. And so throughout the program, all I tell him to do is to check in with his body and start by asking, how do I wanna feel? And so he would check in with his body, get really sensitive to what's happening when he eats certain foods, drinks certain foods. And over time, now I think it's been like six months, and he hasn't had any wine, barely, maybe like a half a cup to a cup of coffee. He would be like the three to four cup of coffee day kind of guy. And I don't have an issue with it. This is not me. This is not me, you know, giving a nutrition recommendation that no one should drink wine or coffee. I love those things as well. But what was so beautiful was like, I never gave him a rule. If he would have came to me and said, I want to eat healthier. And I gave him a rule and said, don't drink wine, don't drink coffee. He would have been like, yeah, okay, no. And he never, he would have rebelled against it or maybe tried, but like willpowered. But instead I gave him the tools to really get connected to his body and just, I let my clients figure the rules out themselves. I just ask them, how does your body want to feel? And sometimes they say strong. Sometimes they want to feel proud or vibrant mm. or connected. I let them choose the words that they want to feel, and then they check in with their body. And before they eat, they're like, oh, yeah, how is that going to make me feel? And, you know, and it's amazing. Naturally, their eating habits change. Without me giving anybody a diet,
0: it's so you're a smart cookie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm smiling over here because you're just really you're like you're a little ninja over there. Um, it's so smart to get people into that question state because it's obvious. How do I want to feel? I want to feel great, and their version of great. And you're <laughs> like you're 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 cheating. Like you're you're cheating. You're cheating. I'm actually that's well, such a it, cheat code.
1: Every other way is so cheating because. To just give somebody a meal plan is so disempowering. To tell somebody, no, 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 don't trust your body, don't listen to what your body's telling you, listen to what I, listen to this sheet of paper that I'm telling you how your body should eat. Like so disempowering.
0: Yeah, and well, you're you're showing people how much knowledge they actually have.
1: They have so much,
0: and it's not just like you're not like you're showing them how enough they already are, like how much, how smart they already are, how much wisdom their bodies already have. Like you're just using food to remind them of how perfect they already are. Totally. And then they start making healthier choices because they love themselves and they already have. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful way of just using food to fall in love with yourself. Yeah.
1: It's like this, it's like, it's like falling in love with somebody. You're like learning about them and you're just yeah. like, oh my gosh, oh, I don't like that you do that, but I'm going to learn how to love it and we'll work on changing it. Like, <laughs> It's like this beautiful falling in love relationship and it's so cool. You know, I'm not their teacher. I don't tell them what to do. I used to be that when I was first a dietitian, telling people the goals and dumping my nutrition knowledge on them. And now I can just hold space for them to actually find their own answers for themselves. And they do it beautifully. It's amazing. The, the wisdom that comes from them, they're incredible. They teach me all the time. They're awesome. We are all, we truly are our own inner teacher and guru. We just need somebody to give us permission of like, hey, it's okay. You can trust yourself. And it's
0: cool with food because you can build that confidence slowly. Yeah, like right. It's those micro choices. Like mm-hmm. you're learning, maybe on day one, just to notice your food and f- see, and like it's so. So let me ask you, like, like what role does gratitude and like appreciation and like tracking actually play in this whole thing? Like, because I think there's like a. It's just it's really easy to see how far you've come mm-hmm. when the winds are so like 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 it's like it's miserable, like a, and you're doing it every day. Yeah, you're like. So I imagine if you start practicing mindfulness and you're eating three meals a day, you're practicing mindfulness three times a day. Oh my gosh! Like pretty quickly, you can get to a place where you're like, I I just, I can just see that being like, like I'm excited to try it myself. Like it's like it just creates a very quick path.
1: It's a relationship that you have to make the choice that you want it. Because even I've been really practicing this for years and I have to make the conscious decision that I want this relationship to my body. I want to practice mindful eating because the easier thing is to be like, oh, I'll go on autopilot, grab whatever, eat whatever, eat fast, be disconnected, snack while I'm watching TV or movies or whatever. Like mindless eating is the easier default. Our society primes us for that.
0: So what's the benefit? Are the upside of mindful eating?
1: Mm, gosh, it's amazing. I Well, this would be like through the lens of the people that I work with will say things like, oh my gosh, I never really realized how much food it takes me to get full or what a beautiful experience it is. Or I've never actually realized I was eating foods that I don't like or how much I love foods that I do like and just tasting it in the experience. Some people get really excited about actually setting a table, like a place setting I mean I like I eat by myself most of the time. So I really made it a conscious effort to I'm not going to just eat something and stand in the kitchen and eat and then go on my way like I deserve this. Mm. If I'm going to eat these calories, I deserve to nourish myself and treat me like a queen and just be make it like an experience and, and even if I'm alone and make it look pretty, make it look like food art just making it an experience. And one way you can do that, to start by doing that is actually just visually, like looking at your food and maybe just be curious. And I love colors. Like I love colors on a plate. I get so like captivated by colors on a plate. And what's interesting is colors are the health benefit in food different colors give your body different health benefits. So when I really want to love on myself and treat myself good, like a queen, I'll have like this whole spread of different colorful fruits and vegetables that I can snack on and savor. And and it just, it feels so connected and nourishing to my body. Such a different experience from like grabbing something and working and eating and standing and not paying attention.
0: Mm. Do you have to get to like a certain level of, I guess practice in order for you to feel foods that don't make you feel good, not just the obvious ones like cake or like, yeah, I'm talking like if there's like, if you actually have allergies, does it take a certain level of confidence or competence to be able to distinguish or like, and is it dangerous to just mm-hmm. go on this path of like eating? Like, I, I'm just curious, I guess, for myself. I guess
1: it, it could be if you had certain health conditions and, and you, Probably nutrition knowledge-wise should be following that versus, like, the time of connecting to your body and trying to figure it out. Because sometimes you get mixed signals and it can get a little bit confusing for sure. So, yeah, I mean, if there, especially if there's other, like, health conditions, guidance for sure. Make sure you have somebody on your team, (laughs) please. (laughs) Things can go wrong. Yeah. And so some little things you might start noticing right away, like some little thing. A lot of people notice when they eat certain amounts of carbs, like some people are like, oh, I feel great. And other people are like, wow, I get tired or I crash or I get cravings. I think the amount of carbs is something that people notice and they kind of tune into their body. The same thing with like caffeine, alcohol. Those I think are some that are easier to like Mm -hmm. notice how your body responds. I think a lot of people also notice quickly that foods with more fiber keep them fuller longer and they don't crash and get starving and hungry. So, we were talking about the pasta earlier and how it has more fiber, like when you switch from regular pasta to the chickpea or bean pasta, (laughs) like (laughs) cheap pasta, chickpea pasta.
0: Cheating pasta. Um.
1: (laughs) It's more fiber. It'll keep you fuller longer. So, like little strategies like that. But then, really, yeah, like really finessing it. That's kind of the level of what I'm practicing now is before what I'm working on with just the connection with my body is before I make a food choice, pausing and asking my body, like, okay, really giving it a second to be like, okay, and asking body, what do you really want? What do you want right now? And it can be a little confusing. It's like, is that a craving? Is that a a rule? Like, I should think I eat this. So it kind of takes a little bit of time to listen and connect and say, considering all those things, what do I want to eat? How do I want to feel? What is my body feeling instinctively drawn to right now? And I kind of pause for a minute and let my body feel into um, what is it really being drawn to and let that guide me. What's interesting is humans actually have this instinct. I like to think of squirrels where squirrels will intuitively know to go gather food, like nuts and seeds, whatever squirrels eat. They intuitively know to gather food and hide it before they've ever experienced their first winter. So if a squirrel was like using its dieting brain and was like, why would you hide that food? We have this food here every day. That doesn't make sense. And it shut off its... Intuit intuition, it, would, it wouldn't would even survive. Mm. So it's like we actually have that same intuition. We All animals have this intuition on what they should eat, when they should eat, how much they should eat. But we just end up blocking it out and not trusting it. And we're like, I need someone else to tell me how much I should eat, what time I should eat.
0: Well, it's also like, I mean, we live in an age of ease and access, right? Like 60,000 years ago, if somebody would have stumbled across a plum tree, like... When the hell am I ever going to see a plum tree? Like, So they're probably going to eat all the plums. But like now we have fridges that we can stock with everything. But our little peanut brains, our little crocodile brains haven't actually developed a point where we're like, oh, this isn't like the plum tree that I'm never going to see again. So we have more access to it. That makes it hard.
1: It makes it hard because we still have the same instincts from like back in caveman days that when, when there's a stress – Your body sends a signal like it's you need to go eat for survival. But unfortunately, our stress isn't the same anymore. It's not a threat to our survival. It's like, oh, man, I have a lot of work to do. So now you have that same inner instinct that's driving you to go eat when you're stressed. But instead, you're sitting in front of the computer working and following that intuition and eating when you're stressed It it does take an awareness of like, what is my body instinctively doing right now? And maybe do I have to say, oh, I'm not in the same environment. How do I get out of the stress state?
0: That's it. Because I think there's so many stressors now, especially with like 2020 with COVID and everything. Yeah. There were so many stressors that put people into that fight or flight. And then when you're in that fight or flight, your instincts kick in. You're like, I need to eat. I need to save myself. What's
1: so cool about that? Is a lot of people are really frustrated because during 2020, so many people were like, I have horrible cravings right now. Or like, I'm just sabotaging left and right. I'm so stressed. I'm not taking care of my health. But a craving can be your greatest messenger. Mm. It's just telling you. I need something. I'm hurting somewhere. I want I want to feel good for some reason. So instead of fighting it and running away from it and suppressing it, we always want like craving, you know, appetite suppressants, you know, strategies to make our appetite go away, our cravings go away. And it's actually just a message from your body. Like, hey, listen to me. I need something. I'm hurting right now. And instead we could lean into it and be like, okay, what is this craving trying to teach me? This could actually be my greatest
0: teacher. Your body sounds very friendly. I feel like mine would, like, growl at me and, like, just throw things at me, always. like, go get that fucking cupcake, man. Yeah. Like, yours is, like, just like, hey. Hey,
1: listen. Hey, <laughs> did you forget about me? Um, It's nicer now. It used to be horribly mean, and I used to put on the war paint and the frustration, and it was, oh, so much energy and intensity and being mean and beating myself up until I was like, oh, wait a second, I could just. Actually just gently listened to myself and God, things got so much easier
0: after that. Why do you care about this so much?
1: It was the only thing that ever worked for me and that's ever worked with the people that I work with. I think if I kept doing the same thing for myself, teaching the same way of like, just follow the plan. Follow discipline is really cool right now. <laughs> Starving yourself, discipline. It's really cool. It's really hot right now. And it leaves a lot of people feeling really bad when they're really struggling. And I was going through life with the same intensity. And I don't think it ever would have created a beautiful, loving connection with my body, with myself. It just would have gotten worse and worse and worse. And I see the people that, like the people who come to see me who are like, I've done everything. I don't know what else to do. Like, what else do you got? Do you have anything? Like they're at their hopeless end. And I see their frustration that they've lost so much trust with themselves. And they actually beat themselves up so bad about not being able to be the one in control over their health, but they're just going about it the wrong way. And so it's like, it's just a whole new way to like write your story. It's not It doesn't you don't have to be under the mercy of like somebody else's rules and you have to willpower your way through it. Like you can do it a different way and just you have to get out of your own way of your mind sabotaging you, your body sabotaging you and changing some of those stories, you know. Even even the our mind is so powerful at telling us who we are and how we should eat and that you've always been that way and that you'll never actually change and it's so hard. And I think I was stuck there feeling like, what am I going to do? Well,
0: what did that first little fight back against your mind look like?
1: (sighs) I think that the first thing was really being aware of it, where I used to believe everything that my mind told me. My mind was always the one running the show. Now I think I can step back from it and I can hear some things that come up. And I'm like, okay, I, okay, mind, you have a say, but you're not the one driving the show here. And sometimes my mind will be like, eat this craving food. And I'll be like, okay, let me check it with body here. Body, what do you think? And I'm like, "Mm, sorry, brain, body said no. So we talked about it. (laughs) It's not going to work. Or, you know, we kind of have like, it's just all about having awareness and that your mind isn't always right. Your body can get confusing sometimes. And it has to be like this gentle, open curiosity instead of this like, you should be perfect in beating yourself up. And that's just going to keep you stuck where you're at. One of my friends had said to me, he's amazing. He's a hypnotherapist. And he said, shame is the glue that holds us where we're at. Mm. And like that always stuck with me that when you feel this shame, it like it is the glue that keeps you trapped where you're at. But curiosity and openness and wanting to be your own research project and exploring, it sets you free from that.
0: When I realized this, A while back, your mind doesn't actually want you to be happy. It just wants you to be alive.
1: Safe. Yeah. And
0: safe. And so if you're trying something new, like a healthier plan or a happier way of living or a different lifestyle choice, like it's new, there's the possibility it could be great, but there's a possibility that you could also die.
1: Totally. And
0: so in a very primitive sense, although your mind may be an asshole in the moment, it's actually trying to be your friend. It's doing its best to be your friend and to keep you safe and to be there for you. And you get to have a conversation with it. And I think for me, at least the concept of learning to love myself in just any area of my life has been learning to meet my mind with that love and have that conversation from that place of, Hey, okay, what are you trying to teach me right now? What are you really trying to say? Why are you so terrified? I'm just yeah. wanting to reparent myself. It's like... It is. I was thinking when you were talking about like, have fun with your food. I was like, when I was a kid, I used to play with my food. Yeah. Like, play with my food, like, do all the things. Like, even like, like my, my mom would do the airplane. like Yeah. You know, like, the whole thing. And like, it used to be a really fun experience. And like, it can still be that. It can. And it can be... A really beautiful return back to that childlike like being back going back to being yeah. a child and really connecting. It is. With and it's just
1: making that choice of like that's the relationship I wanna have with it. And let right. me play and be more lighthearted. And even when you take something that you're really struggling with, when you make it into a funny story, it loses its power over you. Like, I love to laugh with the people that I work with about the things that, like, oh, my God. And then there was this one time that I went to Costco, and I bought a giant bag of, like, you know, the whole double, triple family size bag of healthy chips that are, like, gluten-free. So I was like, yeah, they're healthy. And I put them in the passenger seat next to me, and I got home, and I was like— holy cow. Are you <laughs> kidding me right now? What did I do? And I laugh about it. And, and so now if I would have like beat myself up and been like, you're the worst dietitian ever, shame, shame, all the things I would have like felt horrible and been like, that's who I am. I'm just awful. Don't tell anybody. And it would have just held me in that place. But like, I laugh about it and I tell everybody. So now when I go to the grocery store and I think about putting a snack next to me, I'm like, "Ha Gina." I know you. We've done this before. And I know how your brain loves to convince you that we're just going to have a couple. But what happened last time? And it doesn't go well. So like my new like rule to myself is like, okay, when I'm driving home from the grocery store, all my food goes in my trunk. Like it's just my thing. But I laugh about it. And it's not so serious and keeps you stuck where you're at. You can actually literally make it into a comedy.
0: (laughs) I do. <laughs> there you go. I do.
1: I do. Who wants to join me? It's more fun over here.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I. That's what I love about you. Actually, it's the best part of the way that you teach what you teach. You make it fun, and you bring this fairy energy into all the things that you do. It doesn't have to be so hard. It can be light and playful. And the journey back to yourself can be a journey that's filled with love and curiosity and mistakes and failures and not being hard on yourself and sometimes being hard on yourself. It's a journey of all of it. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong way Mm -hmm. to come back to you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the way that you teach. You're really not teaching people how to do anything. You're just teaching them how to... How to fall in love with themselves totally, all over again.
1: Yeah. And it's also, it's loving those parts that we don't like about ourselves. And when I learned that it's okay that Gina has anxiety and sometimes she has bad days and sad days, all of a sudden I didn't feel the need to fix it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's like we want to maybe sabotage our healthy eating or have sweets or whatever when we're having a bad day because... We won't accept that like, I'm not supposed to be the person that's supposed to be sad. I should be strong. I should be solid. I shouldn't get stressed. I got things under control. So as soon as you feel those things or have a bad day, now all of a sudden your brain is like, we need to do something about this and fix it. So what's the easiest thing is like food is like the easiest thing to make that bad feeling feel better. So it's just, it's really just a process of loving on all the parts of us. And then all of those need for something else external, it just kind of dissolves away. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, okay, today's the anxiety. I don't really have to do anything about it. I can just, how do I, how do I, what do I want to do without today? (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. (laughs)
0: Sitting with your uncomfortable prickly emotions is a whole nother conversation. Yep. Because that, I mean, that's never easy. And I think that at least for me in my journey learning to sit with the prickly stuff almost brings me back to my childhood like cuz when we were kids you don't really think about when you cry when you want to cry you just cry yeah right like when you want to like when you want to yell at somebody you just yell when you want to bully somebody you just do it like there's not like a <laughs> <laughs> there's no like you think no, about it you no just filter. do you just yeah. feel and then somewhere along the way we forgot that it's okay to feel that. It's okay to look weak, that it's okay. And you're not going to let anybody down or yourself down. And that whole process is like, it's just so beautiful. I'm really kind of reminiscing on just being a kid right now with, and it's funny that food was the thing that brought me there, but it's interesting how the way we, our relationship with food is almost like a relationship with not just ourselves, but everything else in our lives. Like how hard are we on ourselves at work is probably a mirror to how hard we are on ourselves in oh, school. Yeah. How hard we are in our relationships is probably a mirror with how hard we are on ourselves with food. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's food. It just happens to be the thing that we all can connect on, but it's just a mirror for our relationship with everything else. It's just so fascinating. Like, I'm so excited right now. Like I can't wait to go like just, really have a conversation with my food. Yeah, I can tell you a lot. Yeah, it can teach me a whole lot about myself. It's got a lot to
1: teach. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a great mirror. It's going to be a whole new relationship. It's... You can learn so much. It is interesting when people a lot of time come to me because they're, you know, struggling with their food and they're like, I had no idea. Now I learned so much about myself in so many ways. And, you know, I'm nobody's psychologist or therapist, you know, I can't help with that. But it creates so much more awareness. Like you said, it's such a mirror for how do you relate to life? Like where else in life are you checking out or wanting to be mindless or need a break? I mean, this could be across the board, anything from craving a cigarette. What is that cigarette giving you? Maybe you just really needed a break of quiet and connected time to be alone. And it's just your one moment that nobody's distracting you. And maybe it's that when you get home from work and you just want a glass of wine and a snack and you're like, this is my me time. Like just lean into that, not not necessarily go chain smoke and, you know, don't lean into it that way, but lean into it like curiously of like, oh, what is this teaching me about myself right now? What do, what do I need? What else? What am I trying to check out from? Or where do I need some more love and nurturing in my life?
0: And guys, uh, anybody listening, I just want to give you full, if you haven't already gotten the permission from this conversation, it's okay to feel like you let yourself down. Like I can't tell you how many times at least for me it's been hard for me to admit things to myself because of what I think admitting that to myself means about me. Like if I admit that I wasn't the best, like was, that I wasn't the best at something or that I made a mistake or that I let someone down or that I let myself down or that I maybe don't have the willpower. Admitting or or even becoming aware of where you're at is one of the bravest things that you can do, especially when you're on a journey that's new and it's it's different and it's hard. Yeah. Like giving yourself that grace to suck at something is the greatest act of self-love. And if you're starting in 2021 on any foot, I hope that that is one <laughs> that you're yeah. yourself.
1: It can be done with grace and compassion yeah. and you're going to get so much further when you do Because it it parallels like anything, whether you're learning a new instrument or you're a business owner and you're going, taking the leap of doing something that you're not good at, you're going to not be great at it. You, You might mess up or you might go off track. And the one who is like, okay, what did I do? Let me learn. Let me adapt. Let me try something different. Let me learn from this experience. Like you grow so much faster. But if you're just like, oh, I messed up. I'm terrible at this. I knew you were always bad. I quit, you know, you'll forever just be stuck there. Mm. So just like, just like you said, I mean, whether you're not used to eating healthy or mindfully, or you haven't played the piano before, or you're you're a new business owner, it's like, it's just being open and welcoming to like, failures are just an opportunity for me to grow. Where do I still have to grow
0: Mm.
1: and practice?
0: Gina wonderful. you are wonderful. Aww. You're a wonderful human being. All right. Talk to anyone listening about mastering mindfulness and how you work with people and how you can help them if they're looking for some, especially around this time of the year. Yeah. With so much, this is a great time to have momentum, right? Like, there's, there's fresh energy in the air. So, how can somebody learn? Like, share something about what you do and how they can. Get involved if they choose to.
1: Yeah, I do have some smaller courses on like cravings for people who just want to get their feet wet. They're like, I want to see where or maybe my cravings coming from. And they can do some, they have more guidance on digging a little bit deeper. So I have those coming up um, in January. And for anyone who's like, yes, that really, like everything you said resonates with me. I do a group coaching program, which is amazing because all my mastering mindfulness ninjas are together where everybody shares their experiences and nothing has creates that motivation like having each other. Yeah. And just like James Clear from Atomic Habit says, nothing sustains motivation better than the power of a tribe. Mm. And so I really don't do much of the one-to-one, but in the group where we have a community of this openness and learning, and every week you're getting guided on practicing a new skill. And it's more of an intensive coaching program for anyone who's like, yes, I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm I'm committed to really changing. That's mastering mindfulness.
0: I love it. I Um, do too. And I... Guys, if you haven't already just fallen in love with Gina yet, we'll make all of those links available in the show notes and you guys can go and check out her work and follow her on social and do all the things. Um, Gina, I got one last question for you. Okay. In the midst of everything you're up to, everywhere you're going and everything you're doing, how do you stay grounded?
1: Oh, how do I stay grounded? Taking deep breaths. (laughs) And making sure I stay connected to my friends who keep me grounded. (laughs) Mm. Because my brain can go right up back into my mind, up into the universe. and
0: That squishy little fucker.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so (laughs) tricky. It can pull me off track. So it is truly the people in my life connecting with you, connecting with my tribe. When my brain gets me up, Mm. it grounds me back down.
0: Mm, I love that. Well... Love you. Thank you for being here and for sharing all of your heart with everybody. But everyone, that is a wrap
1: Thank you for this so week's much.
0: episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Gina. And from us, Stay Grounded. Bye. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.